Hello, friends, and welcome again to a long overdue episode of the Potluck Podcast. Just me and Alan Murray today with a guest. We'll introduce here in just a minute. Matt Hensley had a quote-unquote lunch that he couldn't get out of. It sounds like somebody was buying him food. But, Alan, it's been since the birth of my daughter since we've done this, which was three months ago. So how are you, ma'am? I'm doing well. I don't have any more children uh, in the last three months <laughs> like you do, but I'm doing well. It is great to be back with you uh, it's long overdue glad to be back yeah so you guys got the benefit of a paternity leave from the podcast just like i did and uh, we're really excited because we've got a great guest with us today who uh, is going to give us a lot of great uh, insight and wisdom to the southern baptist convention and that is the interim director or interim president excuse me of the sbc executive committee dr willie mclaren dr mclaren how are you doing today Man, I'm doing really great. I'm on this side of the grass, so it's good to be on the Potluck Podcast. I couldn't be doing any better, man. We love that you're here with us, and we love that you're you. taking the time. We know you're a busy guy, so we wanted to ask you some questions and sure. hopefully learn from you today. So why don't you just start by telling us you know, who you are, your, your background, your education, your family, church ministry experience, how you got uh, to where you're at now. Yeah, hey, I'm just going to give the Cliff Notes version. So I'm a proud North Carolinian, uh, was born in the great state of North Carolina. Uh, my parents uh, still uh, live in North Carolina. Uh, my father was an educator uh, and my mom um, was an entrepreneur and uh, she still runs her uh, business. Uh, got saved at age 14, so got saved as a teenager. And in that same uh, year, uh, received the call for ministry. Uh, my pastor said, God has a calling upon your life for ministry. And as a teenager, I heard it. I'm like, pastor, I'm a freshman. I'm I'm the captain of the JV football team. And so I'm not thinking about ministry. Long story short, man, uh, graduated, uh, went to a HBCU, North Carolina Central um, University, uh, was able to finish school pretty early. Uh, my um, pastor said, man, you need to get some training. So was in Durham, North Carolina, uh, Duke, School of Divinity um, is right there in Durham. And so that began just sort of my uh, training uh, path. While I was in college, uh, I was in ROTC. And so I got a commission um, in the military. And uh, that commission um, led me ultimately to Fort Campbell, uh, Kentucky. And so in 1998, I finished out my commitment and began uh, pastoring. I began pastoring a replant. There was a church that had been planted in Northwest Tennessee. And they asked me to go and to replant that church. So I went as that church planter to replant that church. We had a mother church um, at the time. And uh, every Saturday, uh, Pastor James Kinsey, who was the pastor of the mother church, met with me every Saturday evening, groomed me, um, invested in me, literally discipled me in the Southern Baptist uh, life. And so uh, I left that church in 2003, went to a larger church in Clarksville, Tennessee, served there for two years. And then in 2004, um, I was serving on the executive board of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board and uh, left that board meeting as a staff member and began my journey as the director of leadership development for the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board in 2004. And uh, in December 2019, uh, Ronnie Floyd called me and said, I got your name from 12 different people across the country. And uh, they wanted to interview me. He interviewed me. And then on December the 17th, the officers of the executive committee confirmed me. 
And on um, January 1st, 2020, I began my journey at the EC. And so today is day 1,119 serving the Southern Baptist Convention. Well, we're certainly glad that you serve our convention. And we, I believe you do it in a, a very great way. And I'm thankful for Thanks, leadership. Man. Alan, why don't you jump in here then, ask me a question. You've stepped into this interim role there at the EC, and that led to you having a large part in leading the annual meeting last year. Was that challenging? What was it like leading the annual meeting? So um, one of the things that happens is as a vice president, um, I already had some responsibilities that were already uh, given to me for the annual meeting. So, for instance, um, in my role as a vice president, we do a, a huge thing called the cooperative program stage. And so we have about 25 to 30 different panel discussions that we have throughout the convention. And so my office is responsible for planning and, and coordinating that. Um, we plan and coordinate uh, some exhibit space for our ethnic fellowships. So, so I already had those responsibilities that were already on me. And when I became the interim executive director, man, things got real, really quick. And so there was massive um, preparation uh, just for all of the moving pieces that take place at the annual meeting. If I'm not mistaken, I think I spoke around 10 to 15 different times while we were in Anaheim. And so I had to prepare for all of those different gatherings. Some of those were preaching. Some of those were bringing uh, reports. And so um, it hits you so fast. And so thank God we've got just an incredible team here at the EC. And uh, the team came around me and partnered with me and uh, just helped me get ready for uh, for the annual meeting in Anaheim. And I believe uh, what really could have been a contentious situation for Anaheim, I believe the Lord showed up and he favored us for such a time as this. Yeah, I was there in Anaheim. It was certainly, there were contentious moments, but that could be happened at any annual meeting. But overall, I felt very proud to be a Southern Baptist leaving that day. I, yeah. I had a question I want to ask him. I'm going to ask you something else first. Now, I'm from sure. I'm from Alabama, so anytime somebody moves from Alabama, you know, we always ask, you know, Alabama or Auburn, you got to pick one or the other. And uh, I, I served in ministry for a small time in Hendersonville, North Carolina, up near Asheville. Yeah. And I was asked, North Carolina or Duke? You got to pick one or the other. So you mentioned Duke, but I got I to ask, uh, who do you pull for in hoops? Is it North Carolina or Duke? Let's go Duke, baby. <laughs> oh, so I'm not a Duke fan, but I've been to a game at Cameron Indoor, and it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever been a part of in my life. It was back when Jabari Parker was playing. I was at Southeastern yeah, Seminary, yeah. and yeah, I had a friend yeah. said, hey, I got, I got extra tickets to the Duke game. You want to go? I was, Absolutely. I don't even like Duke, but you gotta you got to go to Cameron if you can. Listen, it'll change your life. The last time I went to a game, I took my oldest daughter. We were center court on the first row. I mean, oh, our people goodness. were literally right there all – uh, the out That's of the line, absolutely incredible. One of the most electric atmospheres in all of college basketball. Well, when I went, I was in the student section on the second row. And I didn't have a Duke shirt, but I had a blue Century Kids shirt. And so <laughs> I wore, I was wearing a Century Kids shirt, re repping Lifeway at the at Cameron Indoor. But let me let me ask on a more serious note. Sure, sure, man. You know when you you went when you went to the EC, you had no idea that you would be the interim you probably at right. this point didn't think you'd be the interim for as long as you have been in this role which has been quite a while now so let me ask you this in this time in this time where you have stepped into a role that you did not originally plan on probably ever doing how have you seen god move in your own life in the sbc what have you seen from god that gives you hope uh during this time 
Yeah, so um, I'm in my 357th day um, serving as the interim president and um, and CEO. And in my own life, I've uh, I've deepened in my prayer life. I've prayed more and depended more on God than I've ever depended on Him before. And no matter how prepared you may think you are when you assume a new role, uh, you just don't know uh, what you don't know. And so, what I've been encouraged by is I've been encouraged by the fact that. Uh, God has honored really one of the, the the prayers I prayed. And my prayer was, Lord, I want to be able to wash the feet of those that serve the bride of Christ. And then the second prayer was, I want to bring, um, I want to bring clarity, I want to bring unity, and I want to bring stability. And what I've been encouraged by is where there's been areas of confusion, because there have been various topics that have been on the forefront. I've tried to have a ministry where I can just bring clarity. Most people they just want to hear the truth. They just want to hear clearly what's taking place. And then where there's been disunity, uh, I've just tried to bring about unity. And a lot of that has just been going on site so I can gain insight. So the past 18 months, I have spoken to every one of our state executive directors, and I have been in 34 of our 41 state conventions. I've actually been in their state. And then the last thing is just to try to bring about uh, stability where there's instability. And when I think about stability, nothing's broken. But when you go to the orthopedic, he says, listen, your knee is not broke, but we're going to give you a brace. And that brace is going to help strengthen some areas that may be weak. So what I've tried to do is I've tried to do two things. I've tried to be an executive because there are some executive responsibilities that just have to take place on the day to day. But I've tried to be a huge encourager. And it's been it's just been amazing. Um, this past Sunday, I was at Abilene Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, you know, a church that here we are after COVID. They're running over twelve hundred just in Sunday school. And then um, a month or two ago, I was in a church that ran thirty five on the Sunday morning. So every church matters. Every pastor matters and everybody's valuable in the sight of God. So that's been really encouraging for me, man. To dovetail right into that. Some folks are probably paying more attention to the executive committee than perhaps they've ever paid attention before because yeah, yeah. You know, who, who, you're serving as interim people were knowing, you know, who's who's gonna be the next person who are we praying for? We at our church at Centerville, uh, we're praying for the executive committee and for the search team. We've prayed for you. Uh, but what would you say to those that are have a close eye on the executive committee right now, maybe more than they have before? How would you encourage them uh, about the work that's going on with the executive committee right now? Yeah, that's a really good question. One of the things I would encourage uh, every pastor in every church is, number one, uh, one of the greatest challenges in any organization is drifting from their original purpose. And so one of the things that I think that we've done in this season is that the executive committee is not experiencing mission drift right now. Uh, whenever an organization begins to forsake or forget their mission and their visions and their values, then they begin to do what they feel right. And so I'm thankful that uh, in this past year, the executive committee has doubled down on our efforts of prayer. We've doubled down on our efforts uh, focusing on living out the great commandment and fulfilling um, the great commission. And so I'm really excited about that. Uh, we had a season where the wind could have drove us any direction, but we just rediscovered this dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ and so I'm really encouraged uh, by uh, by that. We've got some really good folk that are leading 
our board right now, and we've been in collaboration and cooperation uh, with one another, um, just trying to make sure that we are serving our convention well. Thank you for that. Uh, my pastor growing up uh, from Alabama is coming on to the EC. His name is Craig Carlisle, so just watch out for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he's, he's a Craig. Yeah, he's a Craig. Craig. He's a director of missions now. He is. Director of missions my home county, Animal Baptist, so I think he texts like 400 pastors a month encouraging, but watch out for him. I'm just warning <laughs> you ahead of time. No, I, lo I love Brother Craig, and I, you know, I don't know everybody on the EC, but I know a lot of great guys on there, and I, I, I am encouraged as a pastor of just a Southern Baptist church, uh, seeing what you guys are doing. I'm encouraged by that work. But, you know, if you get on Twitter, which maybe we shouldn't get on Twitter uh, at all anymore as Baptist, or you get online or you go to certain meetings, you hear about all these things that are happening in the SBC. And certainly there are, there are challenges ahead. And you probably know more than most anybody from a big picture. What do you think the biggest challenges are Ahead of the or ahead of the SBC as a whole uh, into the future, what do you see as something that we need to be prepared for? Yeah, I think I think there are really two things for me that just are constantly on my head and my heart. I think number one is uh, the different generational priorities. I think we're at a time where we've got a multiplicity of of of, of generations, and one of the challenges is is that um, everyone's always trying to seek and find where their place is, and so the kind of the old guard, they're trying to remain relevant, if you would. But the new guard, they're trying to find their place. And so we got to kind of find this convergence point. And so that's kind of this this healthy tension of the different generational priorities. And so I, I see that on a regular uh, basis. You got your baby boomers who are trying to hold on to what they grew up with. You got a guy like me who's a Gen Xer. You got some millennials. And then my kids are Gen Zers. And so I think just those those different generational priorities. The other challenge is building and rebuilding um, trust. Here, here's the deal, guys. We got some really good people in the Southern Baptist Convention. Every person that I've met, man, they're just good, godly people. Um, and these people have some unique thoughts and some unique ideas. But the reality is, is that they are serious about uh, advancing the gospel. And uh, I think we just have to find places and spaces to have healthy conversation and not put our focus on what we disagree about, but put our focus on what we agree about. Now, one of the things I've shared all across the country is the challenges are unique and every challenge we're facing, they are uh, filtered through one of these uh, filters. For instance, uh, theological filters. We've got different theological filters, um, educational filters, like people have different spheres of education. Uh, geographically, uh, you go to the Northwest, the matters that they're thinking about in the Northwest are different than some of the things you see in the Deep South. Um, generational uh, filters, and then the experiential filter. So as I travel across the country, all of the matters, all of the issues that are out there, I have to always filter through one of those five uh, lenses, just so I can get a really good understanding of of how people are feeling and how they express that. And once you once you get that down, then you realize at the end of the day, uh, people genuinely want to see the gospel advanced. That's that's a definitely a great outlook on some of the challenges that are facing us moving forward. One of the questions that we love to ask everybody that we interview that's involved with the Southern Baptist Convention is this, what are you 
most excited about that's going on in the SBC right now? Now, I tell you what, there are so many things we don't have enough time. But hey, one of the things I'm really excited about, I'm really excited about some of the grassroots work that's taking place in our convention. And I'll just mention an area of church planning. Uh, as I mentioned before, uh, one of the things I have done is I spend uh, a couple of days uh, every so many months in one of our state conventions. And that's just what I've been called pastor care tours. And I've just been linking up with the state convention at Zec. And one of those trips was out in uh, Wyoming and uh, met a church planner from South Africa by the name of Johannes. And Johannes is South African, met his wife in West Virginia. He was discipled in North Carolina. And then God brought him to a ranching community in Cody, Wyoming. And that's a community that has less than a thousand people. He trains horses by profession. He started a church there in that community and to go and to see, literally, they meet in an RV. When you think about RV, don't think about the nice ones you see going down the highway. I'm talking about like 1960, 1970 RV that has no heat, that has no air. And then his church plant has been sponsored by uh, Ted Trailer's church in Pensacola, Florida. And so, man, when I see stuff like that, man, I'm so over the top encouraged. Uh, the other thing I'm encouraged by was last year when we were coming out of a pandemic where we had um, the sex abuse issues and just a whole number of things. Uh, man, churches gave exceedingly abundantly above. We surpassed our national cooperative program uh, allocation budget by over $10 million dollars the largest amount that we received in 14 years. And I tell you guys, that right there um, excites me. It energizes me. But the most, the thing that energizes me the most is every time I see a person wave the flag for Jesus, man, that encourages me to know that those results are eternal results. If our convention goes away, if the cooperative program goes away, if all of these really cool ministries go away, the one ministry that's still active is the ministry of evangelism and winning people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what excites me the most. That's a great answer. The uh, the the kingdom of God does not depend on the Southern Baptist Convention or the cooperative program, but by his grace, he uses those things as a means that we get to play a part of it. And I think you that's, know, right. that, that's a good sign that trust, at least on the church level, is being rebuilt yes. to see yes. the, the giving go up that high. That's I know right. our church, we're encouraged by that. You know, Amen. We're not almost to New Orleans, but it, every day is a day closer to the annual meeting. And I know you're probably doing a lot of prep work and getting ready and yes. feel the pressure of that. How should Southern Baptists feel heading into New Orleans? And we're just kind of wondering, I know Jonathan Howe sometimes tweets out the numbers. What do the numbers look at? You may not have the exact numbers, but... How do they look so far, and um, how should we feel going into New Orleans this summer? Man, Southern Baptists ought to feel really good about going to New Orleans. I mean, my goodness, uh, the cuisine capital of the world. I mean, uh, I was in New Orleans last week. We have some preparatory meetings uh, with the local encouragement team, and we feel really good about the logistical portions. I believe the last number that I heard we were over 19,000 room nights that have already been reserved. And that's not counting people that maybe have reserved rooms outside of the convention's um, block, of, uh, block of rooms. But uh, President Bar Barber 
and the Committee on Order of Business, they're doing a really good job in, in planning um, our time together. And in the months ahead, some of those details will, will, will come out. But I'm really excited about this coming to uh, New Orleans. This, I think it was 2012 uh, was the last time um, we were there. And during that time, we experienced a historical moment. Uh, Fred DeLuter uh, was elected as the very first African-American president of our convention. And so God has used New Orleans to be a place where historical moments take place. And I just believe um, that God's going to do something special. The way I like to call our annual meeting is where else in the country can you go and have the largest family reunion on the planet and then thousands of people gather together and we actually pass and we actually get to vote on the largest resource budget to mobilize missionaries here at home and around the world. So we're going to accomplish that. We're going to hear reports from our um, entities. Uh, we're going to hear reports from just various committees um, that our convention um, has put together. So it's going to be a great time. I want to encourage every pastor and every church. I know people are challenged uh, with traveling, but I think New Orleans is a really reasonable place that most folk in the country can get to. So I want to just extend a personal invitation to pastors to bring their full slate of messengers and come and be a part. And hopefully um, if we get a chance, I'd love to shake their hand. I'd love to hug their neck. I'd love to eat some grilled oysters with them. We're definitely looking forward to New Orleans. Of course, we're, we're wrapping this up. It's the Potluck Podcast, Southern Baptist Life and Southern Culture. And so I've got two questions for you. Uh, the first is this. Uh, when we say Southern Culture, what is quintessential Southern Culture to you? When you answer that, I'm going to ask the second question. Man, when I think about Southern Culture, it's just good old-fashioned hospitality. And then the other thing is the wine of the South, sweet tea. Very nice. Very nice. Can't go wrong with either of those things. Oftentimes they go hand in hand. Hospitality right. comes with a good class of cold tea. So you are a North Carolinian and I'm a North Carolinian. Um, you're the only person we've ever interviewed that actually knows where my little community is. And so I'm, I'm just elated by that. Uh, but being North Carolinian, he asked a very important question, you know, North Carolina or Duke, and I'd say go heels. Sorry. But uh, perhaps more important than that, where is your favorite place in North Carolina to get barbecue? Man, Smithfield Barbecue. Smithfield's all right. Sounds Smithfield good. Smithfield Barbecue, yes, sir. The hush puppies are to die for a bit. <laughs> they am, do uh, have some really good hush puppies. I'm a pagan. I don't believe in, in vinegar-based barbecue. I, I'm from Alabama. I believe in tomato-based barbecue sauce on your barbecue. Of course, <laughs> I live in Texas now, and they, they call barbecue brisket out here. So it's like a whole it's like a whole other world. Hey, I went to the hard eight last week, man. Listen, okay, Dr. McLaren, I am in Dallas. Okay, uh -huh. hard eight is so overrated. Okay, so next <laughs> time you've got my email, next time, okay, email me and I will tell you where to go to get the best barbecue in Dallas. Hard eight's fine, hey, it's good, it's a tourist place. Listen, that's a special one day trip, so we'll just go ahead and put that on the calendar. <laughs> I'll fly in, you pick me up, we'll go eat, and then I'll fly back home. Y you let me know in advance, the barbecue's on me. I, got I, it. I can promise you that. Well, Hey, look, we're so honored that you would come talk with us. A lot of our listeners are pastors. I know you just made a plea to come to the annual meeting. Is there anything else you would like to say to the pastors and just the, the regular Southern Baptists listening to the podcast uh, as our interim president uh, of the EC? Is there anything you'd like to say? Yeah, I just want to say, first of all, just thank you all, man. There are so many people that have been praying uh, for me and praying for our EC. I mean, 
In 177 years of the history of the Southern Baptist Convention, um, an African-American has never served as an entity head, whether it, it's full-time or interim. And so I'm incredibly grateful and thankful. I, I, I don't sit in seats like this by myself. So there's a lot of people across the globe who are praying. So I want to say thank you for praying. And then one word of encouragement I want to give the pastors is I want you to practice what I practice. Pastors are extremely busy. And they've got a lot on their plate. So I want to um, encourage pastors to follow Jesus's model. Jesus engaged, he disengaged, and then he re-engaged. And I'm convinced of this. If you don't pull away, um, you'll fall apart. And so I want to encourage pastors, uh, man, just to have a healthy, holy habit of keeping really good balance in your life and your ministry. You'll be better for it. Your family would be better for it. And then your church would be better for it. That's awesome. That's a great word, McLaren. Th hey, thank you for joining us uh, today hey, on the Pilot Podcast. Uh, what a blessing for us to have you on here and talk with us. And that's a great final word. And so I hope that everybody will feel encouraged by that. And I know that Alan's Church prays for you. We have prayed for you by name specifically, and we're grateful for the work that you did or hey. that you do. And uh, leaders and, and everybody listening, we're just so grateful that you would come back and join us at the Pilot. Hopefully you had your fill, had your full. Join us next time. Same Baptist time, same Baptist hour. Stay Baptist, my friends.